Good evening. Um, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for bringing everyone here. We pray that you would use the words that come out of my mouth to make sense and to edify the body of your church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My topic today is going to be unity through diverse gifts. Um, a husband and wife were planning, you know, what to get for Christmas, and the wife, you know, really wanted to get this pearl necklace. Wife tells her husband that she had a dream that um, he gave her a diamond necklace for Christmas, and well, he said, I really don't know what that dream means. So Christmas came, and so he got her a book on interpreting dreams. <laughs> God gives us gifts, but he gives us useful gifts, and gifts that will edify the body. My topic also has to do with unity, and I'm going to start out with that. Uh, if you would turn to your Bibles to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. What is Paul saying here? I believe he's saying that the church is to be the body of Christ. He explains that there are um, seven elements or reasons that we should have unity. These elements are one body, one spirit, a common hope in Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. One body that relates to all believers. Since we are all believers, we should be unified. We have one spirit that, that refers to the Holy Spirit that's indwelling in all of us. We have a common hope in Christ, the common hope that we will all see Jesus Christ in the end. We have one Lord. Christ is the head of us. We have one faith. This faith is the faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. Now, we have also one baptism. A baptism means it's an outward um, Outward showing that you are now affiliated with Jesus Christ. So now we are all affiliated with Jesus Christ. And we have one God and Father. All right. Now, it also goes on to say that God is above all, through all, in all, you all. Um, I don't want to mistake in this for pantheism, which means that Jesus Christ is everything. This is specifically talking about believers. Jesus Christ is in all believers. All right? Is unity important? I believe unity is important if Paul is going to talk about it inside of um, the Bible. He talks about it throughout um, Ephesians and 
Romans and all other places. So let's see. If our body, you know, let's look. He, he refers to the church as a body. The body works um, if together in unity. You have all these systems together leading up to other systems. Um, create complete unity and we work and function. If our bodies did not work in unity, it would be chaotic. So if the church did not work in unity, it would be chaotic. The body would not function, the church would not function. And Jesus Christ was made to function and we are his representation, we are his body. If we, the church, do not function in unity, we're not displaying Jesus Christ correctly. Um, when outsiders see the church in disunity and in chaos, that turns them off. Uh, I have a magazine here. Um, it's called Worship Leader. And um, a man by the name of Francis Chan uh, is writing about why young, le- young children are going away from the church. He says, a while back, an ex-gang member got baptized at Cornerstone, which is the church he's at. He fell in love with Jesus and turned from his old lifestyle after several months out of the church. He stopped attending. When we asked him why he stopped attending, he answered, I had the wrong idea of what church was going to be like when I joined the church. I thought it was going to be just like joining a gang. You see, in gangs, we weren't just nice to each other. Once a week, we were a family. That broke my heart because I knew that that's what he expected and the church was not able to meet that expectation. That's a sad, that's extremely sad. We are to function in unity, that's a command. This affects our entire evangel you know, our evangelical system also. Unity does not just have to deal with how we treat each other. It, it's also to express to outsiders to come in and become a part of this unity and love and family. It's a counteract to this gang mentality that we have today and so many young people. Later on, we're going to see how gifts do this. Ephesians 4, 7 and 8. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Paul is now saying here that, well, we all have gifts. He says, you know, God has given us grace and that grace Includes gifts. He gives us gifts because he wants us to be active. These gifts will enable us to be active because without them, if we're just, we're just there and he doesn't give us anything to do or, do, you know, or give us a tool, the gifts are a tool. I'll put it like this. If you're a farmer and you know, you're going to farm, you need tools like a hoe. Um, you can't to dig a hole. Without that hole, and you can't dig a hole, what makes you a farmer? You can't farm. So you need the tool. 
So God has not given us, left us giftless. And he gives us a useful tool. And he has a purpose for that tool, specific purpose. Not all farmers dig holes. Other farmers plant seeds. So we have diverse gifts. We are also we are to use these to function in the body and to drive the church onward. When we look at verse 8, he's, um, he's quoting a passage from Psalms when he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He's talking about Psalms 68, 18. Uh, to summarize it, um, this is after a war, and the victor now is able to give gifts to people associated with him. Jesus Christ has won the battle over death and over us, so he now has us, and he's now able to give us gifts so we can work for him, live for him, and be with him in the end. So, now that he's won, we have the gifts. We need to know, so, well, what do we do with them? Well, what we do with these gifts is we use them, but we have to use them with passion. Ephesians 4, 12, starting at verse 12, we're going to skip over 9 and 10. We're just going to go to 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man, to the measure of the state of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The reason the reason for these gifts is that we can equip the church specifically for ministry until they acquire doctrinal stability also practically so that we live this doctrine that we have. We are to continue in unity using gifts until we come to perfect unity. That That is what we're striving for, perfect unity. You know, we are all one completely. Just like how Christ is one completely. So that we will no longer be swindled by false teachers or any other principalities. Because when we go on, we're going to say, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to be a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and be carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying 
of itself in love. We're growing. Gifts will help us to grow. Um, we're also to assist other believers in our walk with Christ. So young believers, those with, um, in unity, having younger believers, teach them. We must teach them to be unified, also teach them the word so that they will not be swindled by false teachers because we have lots of them out. And they will get your children if you do not teach them the right way. If we want to keep this church together, we really need... It's upon the um, elders, the teachers, and the more mature Christians to help the youngers, um, myself, the rest of the youth group, anyone younger than you, to be unified and to know the Bible. You know, because down the road... If you, we fail to teach younger generation, the younger generation will not continue. Well, unless God will intervene. Also being unified, um, we will get more identity with Christ. Um, as we use our gifts, we will become more part of the church we will, um, we will grow. Let's put it like this. If we have ropes and we all keep on putting in our end of a rope and we keep on tying it together, the rope will get stronger, the rope will grow. Um, keep on tying it with different knots. If each person is able to put in his knot, we can have an extremely strong rope. That's what Paul is talking about. That's the kind of growth the kind of growth in strength and unity. Um, in First Timothy 6, he says he wants us to stir up gifts. So also, we should also stir gifts up. If, if someone has a gift of musical talent, um, like Terrence, or singing like Brother Anton, who I wish was here right now, um, or a gift of preaching, like Pastor Lee, stir these gifts up. Don't let them go to waste because God didn't give them to people just for them to waste it. He gives it for us to use them. So stir them up. Do not suppress them because if you suppress them, that's just going to be difficult for unity to happen or to continue to continue to happen. Um... If you're, an, uh, if you're an adult of average weight, your heart will beat 103,000 times 689. Sorry, 103,689 times. If your heart only beat, beats 1,000 times, you'll hardly accomplish anything. So, if we want to get to use these gifts. We don't just go into it half-heartedly and say, okay, I'm, I'm just going to use this, this gift a little bit because, you know, I, I, I really have other things to do and I don't feel like going out and playing music, you know. I'll just play it once and then just stop, you know. Uh, if your heart wanted to do that and just say, I'll beat for about this much and just stop, you'd be dead. 
I'd be dead if my heart stopped. But um, yeah, we'd be dead. So as the body, we do not want to be half-hearted or what I, I call a barely breathing body. Your lungs would stop. We'd be barely breathing, you know. We'd be saying, I love you, Jesus. Thank you. And we're dying, okay? So use your gifts because keep this heart pumping. Keep the church's heart pumping. Keep the lungs breathing. Um, that's what happens when we don't exercise also. We have gifts, which can also act as workout tools to build up muscles, make us stronger and even more effective in ministry to other people outside and inside also. I wanna say we should take responsibility and use these gifts because when God gives us, um, God gives us money, we must take responsibility and use it for him. If God gives us the talent to sing, we must also use that for him. He doesn't want us to just use it for self-gratification or for selfish motives. We don't want to have an attitude of laziness about it also. Um, so let's see what stops us from using our gifts. Things like Laziness. Um, this is not Christ-like. Um, a lot of times you could see us, well, I would be at home and we'd have to feed the dog. And, you know, I'd be all, okay, Mike, go feed the dog. Why do I, you know, and an argument would ensue. And um, all, all the dog wants is to be fed. And he's all, okay, guys, you ready to feed me yet? But Eventually, he does get fed. That's why he's still alive today. But um, I want to read you a story I found. At a hospital, a cup of water spilled, and the patient was afraid he might slip on it. So he, got a, so he got out of bed, and he asked the nurse's aide to mop it up. The patient didn't know, but the hospital had a policy that said that small spills were the responsibility of the nurse's aides, but large spills were the responsibility of the housekeeping group. The nurse's aide decided the spill was a large one, and so she called the housekeeping department. The housekeeper arrived and declared the spill a small one, and an argument followed. It's not my responsibility, the nurse's aide's supply was, and because it's a large puddle. The housekeeper did not agree. Well, it's not mine. The puddle is too small. The patient, who just wants to spill, mopped up, takes the whole pitcher of water, decides I'm going to spill this all over the floor. <laughs> Is it now big enough for someone to mop this up? That stopped the argument. Do not let Christ have to do this. He do, you don't want him to just wait until the problem gets so big that everybody's like, oh, well, how did we let this happen? I was told that the reason, the reason why prayer is now taken out of schools, in some schools in the United States, is because people failed 
to stand up because the, apparently the minority wanted prayer to be taken out of schools. But because we weren't paying attention or also because we simply said, oh, somebody else will do it, we were like, it, has, it just happened. And because nobody, well, very few people stood up. Christ shouldn't have to listen to us bickering to ourselves about who does what when he just really wants the job done. He's given us gifts. He's given us hope, strength, faith. He even died for us. And now we're just going to bicker about who does what. We tend to wait until the problem gets so big and we complain for God to now take care of this huge burden that he's just all of a sudden laid on us when all the time we could have just stopped it when it was small. If we just do that, we, we lose the right to complain. If we could have stopped it when it was smaller, we really do lose the right to complain about this big problem that now comes up because nobody wanted to pay attention. So use these gifts that God has given us. And just because there isn't a specific ministry for that, make one. Start ministries. We can always use new ministries. Make new muscles for Jesus Christ to use. Muscles that we, you know, Calvary Bible Church may not be uh, used to or uh, knew about. We have independent minds, and Jesus Christ can use these minds just to do miraculous things. Imagine what we could accomplish if we all used our muscles, if we all used our gifts effectively. We could be a serious impact on our nation, community, the world, if we could all effectively use it. Because each one of us, if you're a believer in Christ, we have a gift. And if we all use these gifts correctly, we will lead. We will also become stronger. So, why else don't we use our gifts? Is it because of fear? Fear that people may not like it or, you know, um, I don't know, people might think of me kind of wrong. Uh, Jesus Christ has not given us a spirit of fear, so I believe we should always just use these gifts. Anyway. Now, I also want to encourage the parents to help us to find these gifts in young people. Um, Parents will help to find these gifts. If you see that your child is good at something, please encourage. God also reveals gifts to people personally. Uh, people will also, or the church also, help to find gifts. And um, I hear Pastor Lee has a spiritual assessment, you know, a gift assessment test. You can also check out Pastor Lee. He's got Something like that, too. As a closing remark, I want to say Jesus Christ gave us all. Jesus Christ had a part. He gave everything. He did his best, and he did his job. Whatever your gift is, exercise it with a passion, with all you have for Jesus Christ, who did everything and gave everything for you. Thank you.